Welcome to uh, welcome to another episode of the Weekly Yes And Podcast. I'm Travis Thomas, and if you hear some sound in the background, maybe uh, a leaf blower or some wind, or possibly even the ocean, because we are at the beach today, and it's fitting because I'm talking to Jessica Ventura, who is a lifeguard here uh, at Juno Beach, and uh, I just read an article about her in a recent publication. Uh, really fascinated by uh, by her life and what she's doing and how she's dedicated to helping people, and uh, wanted to get her on the weekly yap. So Jessica, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell us right away, uh, what's it like uh, being a lifeguard here uh, in Juneau Beach, and sort of uh, uh, what is it in you that uh, that has you doing this kind of work? Um, you know, the biggest draw to my job, I think, is just being outside. You know, breathing the freshest air possibly in the world, um, natural sunlight, watching people enjoy their day, having fun, children laughing. Um, you know, and and just people learning about the beach environment and how the ocean works and rip currents. Um, so I love being around active people. I love working with active people. Um, and uh, the draw to my job, I mean, that's it. It's just being physical and being outdoors. Something about, I'm not sure how, whatever brought me to be in the um, you know first responder, emergency worker kind of industry, but I, I love it. I love helping people. I love keeping people safe. I love you know making sure that people are confident on the beach. Um, yeah, I love my job. And if you hear uh, another voice on the podcast, that is uh, her, her son Grayson, who is who's helping us. He's the producer today, right, Grayson? And Jessica is well known around the beach here, so if you hear some hecklers, that's uh, just because she's she's very famous around here. Now, Jessica, this is your second stint here at Juno Beach, and so um, I know you left for a while and then you came back. So, so what happened there? Uh, so I was working at Carlin Park maybe six or seven years ago, and um, a, a young man was skimboarding and dove headfirst off of his skimboard into shallow water. Um, you know, I was flagged down, and by the time I got there, I heard that he dove headfirst and he heard a snap in his neck and he couldn't move he could only blink his eyes and talk to me so you know dealing with that and he, he was probably 22 years old so just knowing how your life can change at the blink of an eye you know made me think that anything I've ever wanted to do in my life now is the time because you might not get that chance so I always had wanted to live in Oregon so packed up all my stuff and moved to Oregon I wanted to be a mountain guide you know, so I summited a few mountains, tried to build up a resume and credentials, got certified as a wilderness first responder, wilderness EMT, mountain rescue. Um, but I flew back to Florida for a football game and realized that this is my home and I absolutely love it. So packed up all my stuff, <laughs> made the drive back across country, um, this time a little bit faster. The first time I did it in four months just to explore a little bit. Uh, this time it took me about a week to get home to Florida. And, you know, I reapplied for my job and got back out on the beach so you went from sort of one sort of beauty extreme to another. You went from the beaches to the mountains, mm -hmm. and you got certified um, for emergency response uh, as a wilderness guide. Um, what's, what is different about sort of that kind of work from an emergency standpoint um, that is maybe different or more challenging than, than being a lifeguard? You know, as an emergency responder in the wilderness, 
you're not going to have paramedics arriving within two to four minutes. So there's a lot of different stuff that you need to know as a wilderness EMT in order to, you know, make it through hours and hours of, you know, being stuck out in the wilderness or having to come up with a way to get out. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you have a broken leg, yeah. it's not, you know, a two mile hike could end up taking half a day. Right. So. So, you, you, so in a lot of situations, you're you're having to navigate the situation on your own, not knowing when, when additional help is going to be on the way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so what is it in you? Do you, do you know it at sort of what age or what point that, that you knew that, because it, it is a special breed, you all are a special breed, the people that run at the danger instead of running away from the danger. So, so at what point did you know that you had that in you? You know, I went to school to be a teacher. I've always loved kids. Um, you know, I thought that's what I wanted to do. All my friends were majoring in education, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, really, I think in the back of my heart, I wanted to do more uh, fitness, more of like a, a trainer. But I just didn't get into that. And, you know, I went to school to be a teacher. I graduated from college with a degree in education and psychology. And, you know, I just meeting people along the path, I think, kind of pushed me in this direction, meeting firefighters and seeing what that career was all about. And that's really what I came to Florida to do is uh, pursue a career in firefighting. So I got my EMT, went through fire academy, and in the process of getting hired in the fire department, I was just teaching CPR. And my boyfriend at the time kind of gave me a kick and said, go get a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> so he pushed me to get certified as a lifeguard. And, you know, as soon as I got hired on the beach full-time, I, I never looked back. I never, you know, continued to pursue my fire career. But I think just, you know, meeting people and hearing what that career is all about and how exciting it is. I never wanted the same Monday through Friday job where every day is the same and year after year, even teaching CPR, it's the same information again and again and right. again and right. again. And it just was, it gets monotonous for that to be your job. Yeah. And so you mentioned you, you have a real sort of calling to, uh, to being outside, to nature, whether it's the beach or the mountains. And I have a feeling that was probably stoked in you uh, at a young age. Um, uh, being taken out of school to, to, to live on a boat for a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. So my dad was a sailor, um, and I, you know, I, I should kind of pick his brain about what made him decide to take his nine and ten year old out of school. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with the recession. He's a contractor, mm -hmm. uh, so he just not selling any houses and having no work. It was cheaper to move out of our house, rent it, and live on the sailboat that we already owned. Uh, my mom homeschooled us for a year. And it was just, you know, cheaper to take a spear and shoot some fish and supplement it with a big bag of rice, which is cheap. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, some rich girl got to live on the boat for a year, but we were too poor to live on land. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, that definitely inspired me. And I, I remember being a nine-year-old on the boat and having big plans as soon as we get home that I'm going to, you know, take a tarp and go out in the wilderness and bring all my food with me. So, yeah, I always wanted to go camping. I, my parents never really took me camping, so I, maybe just reading books that got me so into that. But, yeah, I, I love being outside, you know, anything outside in the wilderness. I love, which is funny because I'm also a, a gym rat. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. there's not, not too many gyms down in the Caribbean when you're living on a no, boat. No, no. So what, what stands out to you? I mean, especially you were so, you know, nine, ten years old, uh, uh, living a, a completely unique, different lifestyle. As a kid, you just kind of roll with it. Um, what, what stands out to you most from that experience? You know, being able to adapt. 
we didn't just live on the boat, we were traveling. So we sailed all through the Caribbean, you know, so every morning you're waking up, you know, and as a kid, you don't even know what's coming next. So you could wake up on the boat going somewhere underway. You don't even know where you're going and you, you make friends along the way that you have to leave behind. So that was tough. Um, but, you know, I just relied on myself and my, and my brother. Um, I read a lot of books, yeah. <laughs> a lot of babysitters club books. Um, and, you know, doing our schoolwork, so that definitely kept us entertained. But, you know, every island you get to, you're exploring new territory and having to, you know, walk around and learn the island and and then say goodbye and learn another island, yeah. meet other kids who are doing the same thing, homeschool, and, you know, being able to swim and snorkel. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. What do you think you learned most about yourself sort of during that time? I think just that I, I could rely on myself for entertainment, that I, you know... Not so much an introvert, but but I didn't need external stimulation. My brother was a bit the opposite, that he always needed other kids in order to feel comfortable. And I was perfectly fine with my Barbie dolls and my Babysitter's Club books, going from island to island. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, talking about, uh, about being a lifeguard the day-to-day, uh, most of us sort of know what lifeguards do, but from a... From a day-to-day routine standpoint, so so what do you have to do to sort of prepare and, and really kind of stay in, in, in top optimal shape to, to do your job well? Um, you know, fortunately, everyone I work with is really into fitness, so everybody stays very active, even on their days off. Um, you know, we get time in the morning to do a workout, an ocean workout or a beach run, um, and a lot of us do it together. A lot of us train for lifeguard competitions, and that, that keeps us fit. Um, and you know a lot a lot of surfers out here too yeah so you know the I think the biggest thing to prepare for the job for the day especially on a big day is to just go out you know through the big waves either swimming or on a surfboard or with fins and get comfortable so that you know it kind of takes the jitters out so you know when you're looking at a six-foot day you know you go out first thing in the morning and you know convince yourself that you know knowing that you can do that is yeah I think that's the, the most important thing. And it's hard with this job because you're going from, you know, zero to 100. You don't know what's coming. You know, you're sitting there watching the water and all of a sudden, you know, you might get called to someone with a broken neck or someone having a heart attack or a seizure in the water. So, you know, you have to be prepared always, 100% of the time. We don't get any warning of what's coming. You right. know, whereas a firefighter gets the call and on the drive, you know, they can mentally go through their protocols, what they have to do. They have time to put their gloves on. We're responding in bathing suits. <laughs> yes. So so talk about that a little bit. You're, the, the zero to 100, um, all of a sudden you're, you were sitting, now you're in the moment, you're in the water, you're sprinting, you're, you're swimming. What, what does that mental process look like for you? You know, a lot of the time I go through scenarios in my head before it even happens. You know, if I see swimmers swimming near rip current, you know, we do a lot of preventive preventative actions here on the beach. So we're, we're moving people away from danger before it happens. But, you know, you can't always do that. So, you know, I, I'd watch situations go down and I just prepare myself in my head what I would do so that when it does happen, you're you're even more prepared. And is that how you really sort of spend most of most of the day when you are just sort of sitting and observing? You're, you're constantly thinking about sort of the what-if situations? I do that a lot, yeah, and a lot of, on the medical. You know, I was really into emergency medical, um, you know, training. So a lot of the classes, you know, I, I just think about all the scenarios that could happen. Um, but it's hard. I mean, being a lifeguard, there's a lot of boredom. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of time that you're just sitting there thinking, you know, um, and that that can be dangerous right um 
I do listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> and that keeps me entertained through the slower days and the rainy days. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's you have to stay prepared somehow. You know, if you're just sitting there and let your mind go, then, you know, when, when something happens, sure. your, your heart rate is going to be even higher because you're not prepared. Yeah. So diving under six-foot wave when your heart rate is twice as high as what it should be, it's, it becomes dangerous for yourself. Right. And is, is there a technique for sort of combating the, the boredom? You know, is there a technique for bringing sort of your attention and your focus sort of back to the present moment? I mean, a lot of guards listen to music in the tower. And like I said, audiobooks and podcasts for me, you know, keep me entertained where two, three hours can go by really quickly if I'm into listening to something. <clears throat> um, on a busy day, that's enough to keep you entertained. You don't need to listen to anything. Just yeah. having to keep track of all the swimmers that your, t- your day goes by pretty quickly when it's busy. So, you know, and you don't want distractions on days like that. Right. Um, and you often have a, a second lifeguard in the tower when it's busy. So, you know, you get to talk and hang out with other lifeguards that have similar interests. And so that, that keeps us going. And when you are sort of in the heat of uh, a rescue, the heat of the moment of a rescue, um, uh, what are you doing to sort of kind of control your own, you know, the, the own, not sort of panic, but pressure? Uh, I'm sure your head's going a mile a minute. Your thoughts are going a mile a minute. So what's, what are you doing from your standpoint to kind of control the emotions? Um, honestly, you know, I think just preparing every day is what keeps me calm. You know, I, I get more nervous before a rescue than I do on an actual rescue. I, you know, I think I've just so many years of training and mental preparing that when it does go down, your your body just takes over. You know, you kind of don't even think about it. It's almost meditative. You know, you're so in the moment. Um, you know, there on a big day, you know, you're trying to keep your heart rate down, but careful buddy um yeah it's uh it's pretty wild but your body just totally takes over and you're training you know that's why we do a lot of training out here right daily and now recently i know there was there was an incident with a with a two-year-old at the beach was that was that a rip current i wasn't so much recently um but now it was at at dubois park which is kind of a tricky park it's probably our most dangerous park but people don't realize it because it looks so calm and it's shallow upon first approach but um, on the inlet side at dubois park there's two or three very deep sections and the drop-off is is pretty drastic so you know i was watching a two-year-old and his little brother maybe three next to him and they're just bouncing up and down closer and closer now the current's going out so it's kind of pulling them in that direction to begin with Jessica's getting getting heckled right now by uh, by another lifeguard about. Um, so, so yeah, yeah go so ahead. Um, so I'm watching this little two year old, and I know where the deep spots are. But just looking at you know water on top, if you're unaware of what that park looks like, even though there's buoys that you know say deep water danger, people don't read that. So I'm watching the two year old get closer and closer to that deep spot. I you know I was actually on my break. I had just finished a swim. Um, And my partner was watching another kid in another hole doing the exact same thing. So when he saw me running to grab this kid, he was like, wait, you're going the wrong way. Right, right. (laughs) Watching the other kid about to do the same thing. And, um, you know, by the time I got to him, he was underwater and his hat was just floating away. And that's what he would have did, you know, if if nobody had seen him. And the parents didn't even see him. They just, you know, I I swear I flew across the water. I don't know if you've ever seen that on National Geographic, that frog yes, that basically yes, flies across yes. the water. That's exactly what I felt like. Yeah. And I got to him, and he was underwater. I just scooped him up, and a bunch of girls were riding by on bicycles, and they were screaming, wow, that was amazing. I mean, people I don't even think saw the kid. They just saw a lifeguard flying. Right. Um, and I scooped him out, and the parents came running over and gave me a hug before they even grabbed their kid, which is rare. You know, usually yeah. 
people don't even acknowledge what we do it's rare to get a thank you right so but yeah that was heavy i was shaking i mean that kid would not have just been dead but dead and gone nobody would have known he would have been sucked underwater right out the inlet yeah so you know a lot of um, you know, I've been coming very involved in uh, USLA, which is our um, nonprofit organization. We do a lot of um, drowning prevention. We do a lot of work with local charities um, like Live Like Jake and the Drowning Prevention Coalition just to educate parents because Dubois Park especially, we're only guard there during the summer and on weekends. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, if that happened on a Thursday, right. there's no lifeguards. Right. So, I, you know, I feel like swimming should be mandatory. <laughs> In coastal states, maybe government-funded somehow. Right. Uh, there's just so many children that don't know how to swim and so many parents that are unaware of dangers at certain beaches and, and pools even. Right. And uh, speaking of, of some of the dangers, obviously, you know, living in a state like Florida, when, when people think of the beach, you know, when people think about sort of concerns at the beach, it's often like, oh, I hope there's not a shark attack or, you know, some of the more uh, uh, glorious uh, uh, fears. What are, what are from your perspective, what are some of the more common yet yet dangerous things that that most beachgoers don't think about oh god you're more likely to get hit in the head with a coconut than bit by a shark yeah (laughs) so i guess that's a danger i did honestly at dubois park i saw a coconut land probably you know two feet behind a a kid that was standing there so (laughs) (laughs) they do usually a great job of trimming the coconut so that doesn't happen in our parks um but, you know, the rip currents, I think, are the biggest danger that we have out here and, and the beach drop-offs that, you know, the beach changes daily. And with a lot of the dredging and sand that yeah. they truck in and pump in, the sand is so fine that it just can wash away. So, you know, if even as a lifeguard, if you don't go in the on your beach every day, you're not going to know what the conditions are, what mm-hmm. rocks are exposed and where, where the deep channels are that are going to form rip currents, how, how severe the drop-offs are at, at high tide or low tide. Um, but, you know, rip currents are pretty unique because on a, you, you need wind and waves to make rip currents. Uh, so people see big waves and they know not to go in there. But when they see calmer water, which is usually the rip current, right. that's where they tend to swim. So, you know, it's our job just to educate people on what the rip currents look like. You know, putting the flags up, making sure our signs read the correct information for the day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. People just gravitate right to those rip currents. Yeah. <laughs> they look like a nice, calm area to swim right. in, and they are not. You and know, next anytime, thing you know, you're being swept away. Exactly. Yeah. So anytime you see a yellow or red flag on the beach, you know, we love talking to the public, so, and educating the public. Yeah. And we, we teach one person who maybe can go on to teach five more. Sure. So anytime you see those flags up at the beach, you know, come and ask us what a rip current looks like, and we can point it out to you. Right. And you're getting to be a teacher, which you thought you want you were going to be in the first place. Exactly, right. <laughs> now, be- before we started recording, I know over breakfast you were talking about uh, just, you know, the passion that, that you have for this kind of work. How-, how would you articulate it sort of at your core? What is it about this work that just sort of really, you know, speaks to you? Um, I swear the best thing about my job, other than being in the, you know, natural elements and breathing fresh ocean air, is watching people have fun. That's so amazing to me and enjoy the beach and, uh, you know, especially on rougher days that, you know, people, not that I want people to get in danger, but I want people to enjoy the ocean. You know, we're trained and able to make any kind of rescue imaginable, but I do want people to be able to enjoy the ocean. A lot of times we get the question, are there sharks out there? And they don't take days off usually. (laughs) They do live in the ocean, Um, but, you know, because the dangers are so low with sharks, it's you know, you're crazy to not go in the ocean at all because you're scared of sharks. You're just missing out on such an amazing world. Right. 
And now you are married to a firefighter, correct? correct. Yes. Right. And so, do you guys come home? Do you swap emergency stories? <laughs> How does that go? Oh, yeah, you um, thought you had a bad day today? Well, I had to do this. Yeah, you know, fortunately, he was a lifeguard for 15 years in Miami, so he understands my job and that some days, you know, I might be sitting in the tower not doing much, especially in the summer, and how exhausting even that can be just yeah. to be in the sun and the wind. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he, he honestly keeps his stories to himself. He doesn't share a lot of them with me. And the few times that he does, it's, you know, it's not, it's not pleasant stories usually. So, okay. and I imagine you guys are able to support each other from just the, the demands of the work and, um, the pressure and, and, and having to deal with that kind of lifestyle. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. <clears throat> now you, you had mentioned some of the, some of the different causes that, uh, that could probably use some support. Can, is there anything you can share with people who are listening that might be able to support some of these, some websites or anything they could go to to support some of the causes? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, people all throughout the country who have lost children to drowning, um, usually in pools, but in any situation, uh, one of the ones that's local around here is Live Like Jake. Um, a family lost, a, I believe, a two-and-a-half-year-old to a drowning, and uh, they just want to educate the public and make sure that nobody else has to go through that. So they offer scholarships for swim lessons, which is pretty incredible. I believe American Red Cross also offers scholarships um, for, for swimming. It's just so important for, for young ones to learn how to swim, and you know, especially anyone that has a pool in your yard. You know, Fences might be expensive, but not as not the same cost of, of losing a child right so you know whatever it takes to keep your children safe um, but yeah and the drowning prevention coalition is another organization that does a lot to educate the public and, and get kids um, and, and adults as well certified you know to, or to be to be swimmers so and right. it's so it's so important in coastal states and, and like I said with pools when you fly over in Florida and you're looking down and see almost every single house has a pool here you know and just and to, to know you know when I first met my husband he had a three and a five year old and lived in a house that had a pool with no fence mm. and anything can happen you know in the yeah. middle of the night a three year old can open the slider and walk right into the pool and you would have no idea sure so yeah I mean to, to get I wish the government would, would step up and do something I, I saw something on the news not long ago about making it a uh, requirement to get into the schools the public schools that you have to pass a swim test yeah. I think yeah. that would be huge but uh, yeah that, you know to just do research on yeah. whatever local organizations are out there that provide swim lessons or, or swim lesson scholarships or even to donate to you know charities such as Live Like Jake or to volunteer to help out they go to a lot of local events and do presentations as well and I know that was a requirement of actually the college I went to was passing a, a swim test before you could graduate. So wow, that's um, awesome! Yeah, and the, even yeah. the fire departments out here—I didn't realize—but they all have swim tests. Okay, and they're pretty rigorous swim tests. Yeah. So and I'll I'll include a link to uh, um, Live Like Jake uh, in the podcast for those of you who are listening as well. Um, well, based on podcasting bingo, we've got the leaf blower, uh, we've been heckled, and uh, we have a, uh, a child that needs to go to school. And so, so, so Jessica, uh, I think we've, we've gotten podcast bingo. Um, thanks so much for, uh, for, for taking your time on your day off, by the way. And I brought you back to the beach on your day off. Um, and uh, so close to the holidays. So, so thanks so much for, for taking the time. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for, for asking me to do this. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's really inspiring. So thanks for everything that you and, and all the other, you know, uh, first responders and lifeguards and everyone does. Oh, great. We love it. <laughs> it's